You know, it's my privilege to go to a lot of countries and to see a lot of different things that go on there and to see their societies, to see their traditions, whether it's India or Egypt or even Australia, to see there's certain things that society does there. And, you know, one thing I've discovered about what's going on today is there are two kingdoms. There's a kingdom of light and there's a kingdom of darkness. And the Lord Jesus is the king of the kingdom of light. And he wants intelligent worship. He wants you to love him and know him. But the enemy, the devil, who is the kingdom of darkness, he doesn't really care whether you know about him or not. He doesn't really care if you worship him intelligently or ignorantly. And one thing that I've seen is there are so many who worship the king of darkness ignorantly. They don't really realize it, but uh, so much of what society does just apes the things of the, of the enemy. Uh, there are those who worship him intelligently. In fact, many times during the year, they'll gather around bonfires on top of mountains. And just recently, 60 Minutes had a big special on how so many of the disappearing children have actually been discovered to have been involved in ritual sacrifices. Runaways have been missing and so many things that involved Satanism and witchcraft and those things like that. And it's really time for Christians to take a firm stand and to know where we stand in relationship to that. But, you know, to just come up here and attack all the things that so many people have known for years would not particularly be wise. So what I want to do is give some background to what's going on around us today uh, with so many of our holidays that we observe and uh, see how much of what we do is really just ignorance because it goes all the way back to so much that really grieves the heart of God. And as a Christian, if I'm going to love Jesus, I've got to love him with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my mind. I've got to be willing to walk in truth and light. So I want to read from Revelation chapter 17 and then another scripture as well. Uh, Revelation chapter 17, and we see a symbolic chapter and the Lord is giving here a picture of a very interesting thing, a picture, a picture of a harlot. And in verse 1 it says, There came one of the seven angels which had seven vials and talked with me saying, Come here, I will show you the judgment of the great whore or harlot that sits upon many waters with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of their, of her fornication. Excuse me. <clears throat> so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sit upon a red-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was covered in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls and had a golden cup in her hand. All the things the world thinks are wonderful. It was full of abominations, this cup, and filthiness of her fornication. And look, it says, On her forehead was a name written called Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and the abomination of the earth. Well, <clears throat> that's quite a signal for those who take the time to really study. Because this is a picture of a woman sitting on a red beast, and she's decked with all the trapments of the world, and she has a cup full of abominations from which all the kings of the world have drunk and been made drunk with that abomination and fornication. You see, and God is showing here harlotry. In the Bible, this simply means wrong worship. 
And here is that which is the very root of wrong worship. It goes all the way back. You can trace it all through the Old Testament and you can see that God came to people and he said, you have become a harlot. In the, in, in the land of Canaan, when the people were there, he would come and say, you've become a harlot. It's when people worship for God that which is not God. And they give their hearts to rituals or to idols or to ceremony or uh, other things that take the place of revealed truth. That's what he calls harlotry. And we see here that Babylon, mysterious, clothed with uh, mystery, is the mother of all of this. And so if you want to understand where we are today in terms of what's happened across the world in society, we need to understand Babylon. Now here's what I'm going to ask you to think this morning because I'm going to take you back to Babylon in your mind. And I want you to see what has happened. And if you're honest, you'll see what's happened throughout the whole world as, uh, as history has developed. And you'll see that the enemy is not just dumbly wanting worship, Satan has a plan to make the nations of the earth worship him, whether by intelligence or whether by ignorance. He doesn't care. He'll take it any way he can get it. Well, this woman represents the source of idolatry, false worship and perversion and the occult and the mother of all the abominations of the things that God hates. Well, now, follow me in your mind then, and I'm going to make reference to a lot of things I'm going to cite from the Jewish Targum, from uh, history books, from, from certain occult history books that tell where they got their rituals and, and other things and their legends. Just after the flood, when uh, the ark was spared, Noah had three sons that went through the flood with him, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And the human race really began again from these three root men that really were the root of every person on the earth today. And if you were to look in chapter 10 of Genesis, in fact, you might just turn there, uh, although we'll be flying through it. Uh, in chapter 10 of Genesis, actually we'll look in 11 in a moment, but in chapter 10, you see that Ham, one of Noah's sons, had a son named Cush. And Cush had a son, several sons, but one of them was named Nimrod. Nimrod, his name means rebellious panther. That's what it meant. Uh, and it says over in chapter 10, verse 8, Cush begat Nimrod, and he began to be a mighty one in the earth. Mighty one means rebellious one, or, or one that's arrogant. And he was a mighty hunter before the Lord in the presence of God. Wherefore it said, even as Nimrod is a mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. And it goes and talks about the other places that he built. And Nimrod's fame grew. He became quite well known. And we're going to see, in just a moment, he was the first real world king or world leader. He was a violent and a proud man, and he actually built a monument to himself. Now, in chapter 11 of Genesis, it gives the specifics of this, and it tells how it happened. And I'll fill in some. But as men, all the earth was of one language. And they migrated east, and they came to a place that we call the cradle of civilization, the Fertile Crescent, the Tigris-Euphrates River Valley. And there, being fertile and very uh, easy to live, they set up a, a place to live, and they called it Babylon. And in this place, there were many wild animals. 
just like there were in Israel when they came in and they had a great difficulty subduing them. It talks about it in the law here in the first five books. So in this case, there were savage attacks. Animals went in big herds and big packs, and they were really a terror on the earth. Well, Nimrod became a mighty hunter, according to this verse, and he began to become known as the one who protected the people. He built cities. And they built walls, and the people felt safe from the uh, things that were destroying them. So he became known as a mighty one. A, uh, he was a despot or tyrant who rebelled against God. Well, ancient records and history and occult literature say that Cush died. Cush was Nimrod's father. And Nimrod, now this is where you may have trouble, but Nimrod married his mother. Her name was Semiramis. Sema means name and Ramus means unity. But it means unity in the sun. So it's like a unified people all in one thing under the sun. And they began to be worshipped. Nimrod and his mother, she was the religious leader and he was the political leader. And they were worshipped. Images were built to them. We find images even today to them in all over the world. And here is Semiramis. She is a woman sitting with all these radiance coming out of her head. And she has perhaps a dove. She's called the Dove Lady. And uh, she's the great protectress, the queen of heaven, wherever she's worshipped. And uh, the, mist the mistress of all the elements in early Rome called her the mother of nature, mother nature, the great feminine deity. And she became worshipped as that. And legend says that Nimrod was killed. It's very mysterious how he died, and it wouldn't surprise me if it was not some ritualistic thing because uh, he was a priest of darkness, Nimrod was. Uh, but not before Semiramis was with child from him. And so this child was born, and it was named Tammuz. This is even mentioned in the Bible in Ezekiel, how they were weeping for Tammuz. Tammuz was called by Semiramis the reincarnation of Nimrod. Nimrod was worshipped by all the earth. And so Nimrod was dead, and then uh, Tammuz was born. Tammuz was soon eaten by a wild boar. This sounds science fiction, doesn't it? Let me tell you, all the roots of the occult sound science fiction. It's, it's hideous. Well, there was a great lamentation for Nimrod and for Tammuz. And so Semiramis became the unprecedented leader, and she claimed that Ninus, which means the son of Nimrod, was actually the seed of woman promised to Eve by God back in Genesis 3.15. The seed of woman. And so she was venerated, holding this little baby uh, as the queen of heaven and the little child. She was called the mother of God. Do you see what the enemy's doing? He is setting up what has pervaded this whole world today. The holy mother and the child began to be worshipped, and uh, she claimed this was the promised seed of woman, as I said, and Tammuz was venerated as the son, and in some places they said that he was brought back from the dead, and Babylon was set up. Secret rites, fertility uh, rites, orgies took place because it was based upon male and female deity with a seed that was special. And the stars were actually adopted. The things that God made for his glory, they took and they made star charts. Have you ever wondered why the star charts are the same? Ancient star charts in China, in India, in Africa, wherever you go, they're the same. 
Men could never come up with all those weird things on their own, the, the astrology, the horoscopes that are worshipped around the world today uh, and people live their life by. Look beyond that to who made the horoscopes, horrible scopes. Uh, so they built a tower. Semiramis built a tower to monument this. And it says in Genesis chapter 11, where you are, in verse, uh, let's look in verse 2, or verse 3, they said to one another, let's build, let's take brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had made brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. And they said, let's build a city and a tower whose top may reach to heaven. The word there means... It's a mysterious word, meaning whose top contains the heavens. It's not, it was a very big tower, but it wasn't up to the sky like we think. It, it was about a, uh, 400 feet higher than the Great Pyramid, but on the top was a zodiac. That's what that means, whose top contains the heavens. And it was their zodiac telling this story, this uh, thing we're talking about. Let, let's do this lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And so this Tower of Babel actually was the foundation of the mystery astrology religions of that day. And there were symbols. They used all kinds of symbols like animals and different things and fire. Uh, Nimrod was the sun god. Semiramis said that she was the moon. Nimrod was the sun and the child was the stars. And so they began to use astrology to tell this story. And that's why astrology is so big in occultism today. The Tower of Babel was a shrine and uh, candles were used to use fire and, uh, and little uh, bowls with fire. Fire was very important. They'd light candles and they would have uh, incantations, silence to uh, spirits and other things that were of the enemy. She was called the Queen of Heaven, the Maiden of the Sky, uh, Queen Semiramis. Well, it's this that the Lord came down and scattered. He tore down the tower and confused their language. All the languages were born in that moment. And people went all over the world, it says, and were scattered. Now, it was at this time, you see, that they took their mommy with them. They took their mother with them wherever they went, to China, to Africa, wherever they went. You can, you can go today anywhere in the world and look at old, old pagan religions and you will find the ancient records and on the walls the uh, symbols of the same symbols of worship of fertility cults, which are male-female deities with a little offspring. You'll find it in Hinduism. You'll find it uh, all, all over India. You'll find a male, female deity with a little seed. And the mystery religions were born. There have been seven major thrusts in seven major kingdoms of the mystery religion. Like in India, they have like Isa, which is the male deity, and Iswara, which is the female, and Krishna, which is the little kid. Uh, in China, they have like Shingmu, who is the female deity. But wherever you go consistently, they represent the moon, which is the woman, and the sun, which is the male, and then there's a divine seed whose story is told in the stars. Uh, why do you think these astronomy charts, these astrological charts, are the same everywhere in the world? Well, one more thing that's amazing, wherever you go in any society, you have the same order of the week, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 
Friday, Saturday, and every single day, even if it's in different language, the stars that signify that day of the week are the same. Sunday, the sun. Moon day, the, the moon. Tuesday, which is Anglo-Saxon for Mars. And Wooden's day, which is Mercury. Thor's day, which is Jupiter. And Frigga day, which is Venus. And Saturn day. It's the same. It's based upon ancient star worship. Now, maybe you know, wonder where I'm going with this. Well, these became known in different places. This female deity became the center. Of course it would, because Semiramis was the only one left in those days. She was the head honcha. Well, you read in the Bible about Diana of the Ephesians. You read in the Old Testament about Ashtaroth and Ashtart and Aphrodite of the Greeks. That's this wonder woman. She worships this Aphrodite, you know, the, the mother queen of heaven, uh, Venus. Uh, of the Romans and Sybil of the Celts and Artemis and Isis, all these women figures that are the same names for the same female fertility being wherever you go. It's all the same. You say, listen, I'm going to tell you something. The devil has a system and people aren't aware of it and they fall ignorantly into it. Well, it's this thing that God says he clearly hates in the Bible. This root from which all the cults and all the perversions, because, see, even the enemy system has variations. You can go and find variations of the fertility cults here and variations here. When it gets to China, it may be slightly different than England or France, but uh, you can trace, like in Egypt, for example, Osiris being the male, uh, Isis being the female, and Horus, the son of the power of the air, being uh, the, the child, and Assyria. Uh, in Assyria, the male deity was called Baal. And then Ashtar was the female and Tammuz was the son. In Babylon, it was Belus or Baal. Remember what God condemns in the Old Testament? Baal worship. It's this same thing, male-female deity worship. The Aztecs did it in Mexico. That's what their monuments were, these big pyramids. The, and in India, the caves of Elephantia. Well, now, all this is technical, but I just want to show you that what I'm saying is backed up with history with, uh, with facts, and because some of you won't like where I'm going with all of this, I'm sure. But that's okay, because you see, oftentimes the Lord shows us things we don't like that we have to accept and get in line with. That's why He is God, and I'm not, and you're not. Uh, these things have been around for a long time. From these various religions, there sprang a deep pagan religions that, that called on wind and fire and, and all the old things like uh, that we see coming as the old religion of our day that's being revived. Study of auras, study of astral projection, the higher forces, quote, of humanity, harnessing these. Witchcraft became very popular and spiritism and reincarnation. And there were holy days, or let me say unholy days that became observed. They're the same. May 1st, the most holy day to witches and Satanists all across the earth. It's also the founding of communism. Did you know that? It's incredible how it all goes together. And uh, with the second most holy day being November 1st, or it's evening as well, October 31st. And on that day, wherever you go, anywhere in the world, you would find uh, these pagan religions coming in real togetherness and worshiping exactly what I've just showed you, male-female deity with its seed. In, in uh, France and Ireland and England, from which we get so much of our heritage, that's where we need to look. Because, you see, if we were over in Asia, we might examine China. 
to see what our holidays are based on. But right now, we're going to look at France and England and Ireland because that's kind of where the Anglo-Saxon roots come from in that sense. Uh, the ancient Druids, which were the Celts, they had a type of worship. It was pagan worship. Led Zeppelin made a song who, on, on his album cover, he put a picture of a Druid priest on the inside and that famous song, Stairway to Heaven, that it was based upon what the Druids would do with their great bonfires on the hills, a stairway to heaven. And it was the sophisticated occultism of that day and Satan worship. You see, the dark priesthood in Europe, they'd wear their long white robes, but they had their rituals and sacrifices of humans and other things. In Scotland and in Ireland, they had a November 1st holiday called the, the celebration of Samhain, or S-A-M-H-A-I-N. It was a celebration to the Lord of the dead. That's who Samhain was. And his symbol was the sun. Wonder who it really was. You see, its roots go all the way back. And this was their New Year's Eve celebration, a high day. And the reason was, as winter came and the nights grew longer, they had a tradition based upon their heritage that went all the way back that the sun might stop shining. And so they would have a big festival and honor the sun god or the Lord of Death, Samhain. And they would gather on the eve before November 1st and they would put on masks of animals and they would build great bonfires on the top of hills. And the full moon was best when it was that. They had fertility rites and orgies and... Uh, they believe that on this evening, the Lord of the dead, the one who later uh, the Egyptians would worship as Ankh, his symbol was a cross with a little circle on top, that's the key to the abode of the dead. Uh, they would uh, worship and talk to this Lord of the dead. They believe that on this night, October 31st, he gathered all the souls of the recently dead and the wicked spirits and that he would decide what form they would take for the coming year, what animal they would incarnate in. And so they were assigned animals' bodies. The Druids believed that if you were an extremely wicked person who had died, you'd come back in a cat, a black cat. And so quite often they would take a black cat and put it in a wicker cage and burn it alive in a fire. And if there was a criminal, they might burn him as well. They burned people. They, they offered human sacrifice. They carried around bowls with fire in it and carved out turnips with, uh, with pictures of faces carved into it uh, so that the fire could be seen from the inside. When you looked at it, it looked kind of like our jack-o'-lantern. Uh, in fact, it looked exactly like our jack-o'-lantern. In fact, it was our jack-o'-lantern. And this was believed to keep away evil spirits and to also identify with the enemy. So they were, the, on this night, the wandering dead, they believe, would return to their home and ghosts and fairies and witches and elves and goblins would come out to prowl and they would haunt the living. So what they'd have to do is, like they do in the Eastern Bloc countries today, at little shrines everywhere, they do all over the place. And these people that worship demons, they, they put food out in your backyard. And if you don't put bouquets of flowers and food, the demons will get your children. You can see it in Poland. I've seen it in Hungary and all the place where they worship the queen of heaven today. And, uh, you'll, and they've perverted that. You see, they worship the queen of heaven and they put out food and they do all these things and they do little prayer beads. They did that in Babylon. It goes all the way back. 
And uh, if you didn't put out the food, if you didn't leave the spirits a treat, they would say, then they would, they would uh, come and put an evil spell on you. If they were satisfied, if you gave an acceptable treat, then these spirits that haunted the place would then come in and abide for the night, and they would leave you in peace. Well, they would gather around bonfires, offering sacrifices of animals and crops and people, and they would tell their fortunes for the coming year based upon the stars. And uh, people would go from house to house with torches and their lanterns, demanding sacrificial wood to make bonfires and, and food also to offer in sacrifice to these spirits. Uh, sometimes people were, as I said, burnt to death in wicker-shaped cages in the shapes of animals. Well, this went on for years. In 43 AD, the Romans came and conquered uh, the Celts and, and the Druids, and they introduced custom after custom on another system that they had that was based upon the same Babylonic religion, Mithraism and, and other pagan sacrifices. Well, they changed the name a little bit, and on October 31st, you know what they observed? It was the Feast to Pomona. Pomona. And on October 31st, they celebrated this. She was the goddess of fruit and nuts. What an appropriate name. Um, but she is shown in the ancient wood carvings of a woman holding out a fruit. Who does that remind you of? A woman holding out a fruit. Well, she's supposed to be the mother of all the living. That's what Eve means. You see what the devil did? He began to worship fallen Eve. That's who Semiramis was claiming to be, the seed of woman. And here we see Pomona in wood carvings with apples all around her forehead. She's there, and she's the queen of heaven. And so they would cut apples and throw the peels over their shoulder and look to see what kind of letters it made, and that's who they're going to marry. Don't try it, ladies. It's crazy. Uh, uh, but... Uh, but they began to bob, get this, for apples on this night. You know why? Because they were trying to get a bite of that fruit. You see, that's the forbidden, in a picture of, that the enemy created, that's the forbidden fruit. And people put their face down into water, which is unnatural, which is a picture of death, in order to get a bite of an apple, like Eve gave to Adam. Do you see it? The devil doesn't care if we do it ignorantly. He just wanted uh, people to do it. And the Romans began to serve apples, and they'd cover them with red sweet candy for the color of passion and ser serve them at their orgies on October 31st. Can any of you guess where I'm going? Well, in 300 A.D., Constantine came, and the Holy Roman Empire was really beginning to sweep and he began to conquer all these countries with these pagan religions. And as he began to conquer, he was worshiping the sun god one day. In his own uh, history books, it says that he was worshiping the sun god and he had a vision of a cross. Isn't that wonderful? And it said, in this sign, conquer. And so he painted crosses all over everything and he went through and he says, you will become a Christian. And he held them at knife point and they said, yes, we will become a Christian. And uh, it was what you call forced conversion. He'd march his troops and sprinkle them with branches covered with water. And he would say, now you have been baptized. And all that was necessary was allegiance with the lips. And, and all this paganism came right over in. As the state religion grew, uh, this state religion of Roman Catholicism in that time, they began to say, uh, we need to have unity. There's too much going on out here. They're worshiping this pagan deity. They're worshiping this pagan deity. It has power over these people. And so they began to mix 
and to change things. Constantine mixed paganism and Christianity, and they began to worship Mary, Queen of Heaven, at this time. The Madonna, Mother of God. I'm not trying to offend anybody, but I'm just telling you what really happened. This is what really happened. You know, G Mary was in the upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit to fill her like any other sinner. And she said, my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. And she was a saved individual, a sinner saved by grace. She happened to be the mother of the Lord Jesus and blessed among women. Well, these pagan festivals were entrenched in that day. And in 835 A.D., Pope Gregory III authorized what is now, or what was then known as All Souls Day or All Saints Day. You know why he did that? Because of the second most holy day, November 1st and October 31st, all the pagans would do their fertility rites and all their powerful nature-oriented religions, and the Catholic Church could not conquer that. And so they said, if we can't lick them, we'll join them, and we'll do something, you see, that the communists are trying to do on the church today. They are trying to change the church and adopt it into their forms. Well, it was... The, they call this All Saints Day. It was a day. Listen to the similarity. They called it, we're going to have a festival to assist the souls that are in purgatory. All Saints Day. It sounds like Samheim, doesn't it, with a new name. Those departed spirits, and they're going to help them discover where they're going to go. Well, they just changed the name a little bit, and they, they, uh, they called it this so that the masses who were resistant to the Catholic Church would join them in this similar type of worship under a new name. Do you follow that? I know it's hard to follow this because it's, it's new concepts, but I'm telling you, if, if you hear this, it will probably change your whole view of things, and you'll see a lot of new things. The pagan festivals were brought right over and given a Christian name, and the pagans kept right on doing the same thing that they'd been doing all along. Uh, other holidays as well, like, uh, I won't say that. That'd be ruining too much for you, wouldn't it? Cutting down a tree and putting ornaments all over it and, uh, and all these things that they would do, they brought it right on over and adopted and called it like things with saints, things with special days that the church is supposed to remember. They would assign John the Baptist's birthday to a certain thing that was pagan in its origin. And so these pagans would begin to say, ooh, John, ooh, John. And, uh, and at that time, you see, the devil doesn't care if you call him John as long as you go through all these motions. Well, the night before All Saints or All Souls Day was called the Hallowed Evening are all hallows, een, as they say in Anglo-Saxon, een, E-E-N. And uh, what they would do, they would just take the entrapments of the old, they would uh, go and leave food for the departed saints, those who've passed on, dear old this and that, you know, leaving food around. And they'd build bonfires on hills as a stairway to heaven. And they would go around, adults and kids, Trick or treating, but it wasn't called trick or treating then. It was called all souling, all souling. Hey, mom, let's go all souling tonight. Great, great, kid, let's go. Uh, they would carry carved out turnips over in that part of the world because turnips were common. In the 1800s, when it came over to America, they began to use pumpkins because there were more pumpkins than turnips in America and you can carve them out. So they would go from house to house asking for cakes in return for prayers for the dead. They would pray for departed souls in purgatory, All Saints Day, the eve of the holy ones. Uh, you see, but it's really worshiping demons, calling them saints. Incredible. 
the trickery of the enemy. Masquerade parties they would begin to have, and they'd dress up as, as spirits so as to appease the spirits uh, in all kinds of garb. And did you know that even today, in our day now, I'm, I'm skipping up, I'm leaving out a lot of stuff now because of time, but in our day, October 31st, as I said, is the second most important day to all those in the Wicca church, the, what they call the Wicca religion, which is witchcraft. They give out that little cross with a circle on top at the Wicca School of Witchcraft when they graduate. It's called an Ankh. It's Egyptian, but it's also, you see, there's continuity in all this to those who understand it. Christians don't know about all this stuff, but I'm going to tell you, the devil has a continuity in his kingdom. And today he doesn't care if you go through all the motions ignorantly or intelligently as long as you do it. But you see, after May 1st, October 31st is the high and holy day. The celebration of the old religion from the ancient Druids all the way carried down from Babylon years ago from Semiramis and Nimrod and Tammuz. And after people go out and do their deal ignorantly, then in earnest those who understand gather you know, this coming Halloween all over the United States in secluded spots and over in, in Europe and, in, and all over the world. The pagan worshipers and the Satan worshipers will gather and they will dress up in hideous garb and they will have orgies and they will drink uh, until they're hysterical and they will uh, have cavortings with familiar spirits. And just a few hours earlier than that, people all over the world, ignorantly, especially in America, send their little kids out door to door dressed up like different kinds of things and they join right in with it. It's called Halloween. That's where I've been heading. It's a pagan festival, friends. There's no question about it. Now, I know it's an emotional thing for many because it's fun. It's really fun to dress up. But it's very, very old, and you can trace it back to honoring the Lord of the dead. You can trace it right back. And so, so many people who claim to be Christians would be horrified if they really knew what they were doing. They would never do it again. Some of you have been ignorantly involved in this. And today you can never, after today, you can never do it again because you've got light on it now. You understand. Uh, you, just think about it. Just think about it. The Lord of the dead. Skeletons. That's what's the wages of sin. The result of death. Black cats. Back to the druids and the wicked incarnation of, uh, of wicked people. Witches. Witches are that personification of evil in a woman or in a warlock. But it's the picture of Nimrod and, and uh, Semiramis, and they have real occult pagan power. Vampires are bloodsuckers, and that's forbidden by God. Ghosts, which are nothing more than familiar spirits or uh, demons, uh, bobbing for apples, trick-or-treating, the Jack O'Lantern, which is the, the several other ancient legends about that, about a man who tricked the devil by when the devil crawled up a tree to get an apple. Uh, to celebrate Pomona's birthday, uh, he carved a cross in the bottom of the tree and old Jack had the devil up in the tree and the devil made a bargain with Jack. If you, let it, if you take away that cross and let me down, uh, I won't claim you as a, as a curse. And so he came down. But when Jack died, they say he couldn't get into heaven. So he went lonely looking for refuge in the underworld and the devil turned him away and threw fire at him. Jack picked up the fire and put it in a carved out pumpkin. And walks, walks, walks on this day of the departed dead with his fire in the jack-o'-lantern, jack-o'-lantern, and is looking for a refuge. It's a picture of a demonic spirit looking for a refuge. Well, uh, on these days, many people use the three main colors that the devil talks about, which are black, orange, and red. Any Satan worship can tell you. Those are the three main colors of the devil. So let me just finish by 
reading some scripture and also saying that as we participate in these things, we sanction ancient demon worship and we join in worldwide pagan masses when we dress up and when we have all this, quote, fun. Can you imagine churches having a haunted house? Some of our bigger churches have haunted houses on Halloween. Think what that must do to the Lord's heart. The devil just loves it. Uh, can you justify this fun with Scripture? And why do you call it fun anyway? You see, that's something that's so important to understand. Why do we call it fun? Uh, actually, it's just the opposite from fun. It's mocking God. It, it says in Leviticus 19, listen to this, verse 26, You shall not eat anything with blood, neither shall you use enchantment or observe signs of times. It says, just listen, Ezekiel 19:31. Regard not them that have familiar spirits, that's demons, neither seek after wizards to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Chapter 20, verse 6, Leviticus. The soul that turns after such as have familiar spirits and after wizards, that's a male witch, to go whoring, whoring, harloting after them, I will even set my face against that soul and will cut him off from among his people. The Bible says to abstain from all appearance of evil. It says in Ephesians 4.27 to give no occupying place is the word in the Greek, occupying place to the devil. Then lastly, I want to read from Deuteronomy 18. Deuteronomy 18, just listen to this. Uh, beginning in verse 9, a warning to God's people when they came into Canaan. See, Canaan was the son of, uh, of that very same line. And the Canaanites and all their Baal worship or what God hated. It says here, verse 9, When you've come into the land which the Lord your God gives to you, do not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. It's exactly what we've talked about today. God says, don't do it. There shall not be found any among you that makes his son or daughter to pass through the fire. You see, Baal's name was later changed to Moloch in the Old Testament. And they would have a big idol and they would take their babies as human sacrifice and drop them in the arms of a red-hot idol. They passed their children through the fire in Canaanite worship. It's kind of like abortion, really. Just uh, instead of after they're born, just before, sacrifice to the God of pleasure. Just a lot like that. You see how the devil does it? He changes us. And God says, you shall not do this. Or you cannot use divination. Or observe times. That's horoscopes. Uh, or be an enchanter. Or a witch, an enchanter is someone who says uh, these things like, uh, these words like TM over and over again, saying the word is really the name of a, the mantra is the name of a demonic spirit. Or a, or a witch, don't be that. Or a charmer that's wearing charms, like the little, you know, Italian horn that hangs down that means you're trusting luck, L-U-K, the Greek goddess for chance. For your finances, that's what the Italian horn means. Uh, or something else that you might wear around your neck, like a rabbit's foot or a clover leaf. Don't be a consulter with familiar spirits. That's a palm reader or a fortune teller. Or a wizard or a necromancer. That's those who pray to the dead who've gone, like the saint system that people use. For all that do these things are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God will drive them out from before you. You see, there can be no doubt what God has said to us this morning. And another scripture I just must read in Isaiah chapter 5, because I want to just take away all ground from you, dear friend, to be trapped up in this. Isaiah 5, verse 20. Listen to this. Woe unto them who call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light 
and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own eyes. Hey, I can, I can handle it. It's all right for me. It's all right. Woe to them who call evil good and good evil. Jesus spoke of this in Mark 7, 9 when he said, Full well you reject the commandment of God to keep your own tradition. See, when our traditions cross the command of God, we've got to forsake our traditions because we've been redeemed from them. Have you ever thought about why some people consider it fun? Have you ever thought how impossible it is to dress up as something and not role play? Has anybody ever dressed up like a witch and not pretended to be at some time or other? Oh, it's harmless, but you go through it anyway. You see, you can't do it without getting, getting messed up. Draw a line down the middle of a piece of paper and put kingdom of light on one side and put kingdom of darkness on the other side and put Halloween on one side or the other. You can't put it on the middle. Put it on the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of light. You decide which one it is and then act accordingly. Uh, the question is not what's wrong with it. What's wrong with Halloween? That's, that's the question of someone that's just fudging. The question is for a Christian that's seeking God, what's right with it? Does it honor God? I celebrate October 31st. You know what I celebrate? October 31st, 1517. It's when Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses to the door and called an apostate church to justification by faith. You want to celebrate October 31st? Celebrate the, the Reformation and celebrate justification by faith. How could you respond to what I've said this morning? How, how should you? Well, let me just put it the bottom line like this. How should I respond to what you've heard this morning? It all depends, friends, on whether you want to take your Christianity seriously or whether you just want to be part of the bless me Jesus crowd. That's really the truth. It just depends on that. Whether you want to take your Christianity seriously or whether you just want to be part of the grape-sized goosebump people that go around looking to be blessed and uh, whether you want to take the Bible as your guide or use it as a comforting nursery rhyme because if you're serious as a Christian you must weigh these words this morning I'm not trying to ruin your party I'm trying to be used by God to set your soul on ground that God does not hate to me God hates Halloween he hates it and uh, you've got to decide whether you're going to take the Bible seriously or just mess around I hope you don't mess around because you know what? You can't play with the Ouija board without getting burned. You can't go to a seance without getting scalded. You can't mess around with the things that go all the way back to Mystery Babylon, mother of harlots, without getting drunk on the wine of the wicked world. They don't care if you understand or not. They don't care if you think you can handle it. All they're doing is just saying, look at that person called a Christian. Look how they're mocking God. <laughs> That's what they did in devil worship years ago. Demons are laughing. So it just depends on whether you're jealous for the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to follow the Lord Jesus and we're going to honor Him and we're going to not even touch the unclean thing. We're going to love Him with all our heart, with all our mind and all our soul and we're going to stand as a light amidst darkness and be willing to say, we worship the Lord Jesus. Well, let's have prayer together. Father, we know we live in a very serious day and the devil does not care if we worship him ignorantly as long as we go through the motions of those who've always given themselves to Him. And we know that 
what's been said this morning has been new to many. Crystallize it, make it clear, and help us to truly understand what you're saying. May we be people that glorify God. Lord Jesus, you are worthy of total sacrifice, and we want to worship you and him only, you only, to serve and to love. So love that's pure, love that is pure is passionate, and it's singular. And so may we love you only and protect these people in here from false gods and from evil ways and from the power of darkness. And may they intelligently give themselves to Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life, and the light of the world. Thank you for the privilege of knowing you, Lord Jesus. We want to honor you by obedience. Now, take these words, Father, and bind them to the heart, even to the heart of the one that didn't really want to hear them. Make them nervous if they step on ground forbidden by God. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.